Welcome to a life-changing message by Darius Johnston, Senior Pastor of Christ Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Amen. Are you glad for that this morning? You guys look awesome. Just look around a moment. Don't y'all look great? I think you ought to give a hand to everybody who showed up this morning. We just applaud you guys. Yeah. I, I mean, really, so many people were saying, don't get out, and you guys did. I just love it. I love it. I love it. And you know what? Here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. God's got something for you this morning. All right? Some of you, you think you just showed up because you thought that's what you're supposed to do. But I'm going to tell you, because this is my fourth time to, to be in a service this weekend. Every service so far, God has done some incredible things. And uh, I, I give him the credit. And so you're here. You're going to get in on that. Those of you watching us online, I know some of you couldn't make the journey this morning. And you're watching us online. And maybe some of our team over in Africa. I'm not sure the time changed, but... It might be like, I know it's nighttime over there, so if you guys are watching, hello, Pastor Brendan, Pastor Jeremy, all the team over there, we're praying for you, right folks? All right, just keep praying for them very much. Uh, Before I get into the message, let me give you three quick announcements really fast. You'll find these in your handout, but I want to just highlight them. You'll find two of them, the third one you won't. First one is if you have a teenager, junior high or high school students, anybody in the room who has a teenager in your house, that you're responsible for, raise your hand right now. Okay, very good. All of you with your hand up, you need to sign your teenager up for Wednesday night. We're kicking off a brand new year at Tribe Youth, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. After the service, they're having an all-night lock-in. Cost is only 5 bucks. I spent 10 years in youth ministry. I must tell you, I'm glad I don't do lock-ins anymore. That's for the young and the young at heart, okay? But they've got a whole incredible night planned. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Invite your students, their friends, bring them all. Great way to start a new year. For the adults, next Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, January 3rd, we're starting the new year, first Wednesday of the month, as we always do, saturation service. If you're new with us, let me tell you what saturation service is. We do it in a small auditorium because it's a nice, intimate environment. At 6.30, we invite you to come Spend about 30 minutes or 15, however, whatever time you can get there. From 6.30 to 7 is personal prayer time. It's us preparing our hearts to hear what God's going to say. From 7 to 8, it's a corporate prayer time. We'll let the Holy Spirit direct us in specific areas or individuals or needs that we'll pray for. Then at 8 o'clock, we conclude with personal ministry time. And the personal ministry time is just that. We will literally stay here. Our prayer teams will be, stay here as long as people desire personal prayer. And we have some incredible things. Now, for the new year, we have something special. We're not just doing the first Wednesday of the month, but we're doing the first three Wednesdays of the month. For the next three Wednesday nights, we're going to have saturation services. Love for you to come. Invite your friends. I will tell you up front. If you have friends that are not followers of Christ, this may be a little intense for them. It just really is. It's not evangelistic. This is spiritual warfare. Okay? Everybody okay with that? And so we invite you to come. And we, every week we see God do some phenomenal things. There's this principle about first 
that we think is really important first uh, we understand that in scripture right bringing the first of your income to the Lord the Lord calls that the tithe you guys are smart it works financially well I think it works time-wise even those of you who may not be used to doing stuff on Wednesday nights with the church what would happen if you gave God the first three Wednesdays of the year I think it might just set a tone for the rest of your year of what God may want to do in your life. So love to have you come. So next Wednesday night, saturation service. Third and final announcement that I'm going to make is about next week. First Sunday of the year. I'm always excited about the last Sunday of the year and the first Sunday of the year. A couple of months ago, about 4.30 one morning, uh, I, I, the Lord woke me up with four words that he gave me. I had been praying and just spending some time in meditation for, for several days about what God was wanting to say to me personally and to us corporately as we enter into a new year. And there were four words that God dropped into my heart. And if, if you're like me, there are those moments where you, when, when something clicks into your brain and you realize, oh, that's so good, that can't be me. Anybody else have that moment that you're like, oh, God just said that. I was so excited. I grabbed a pad, grabbed a pen, and I started writing. I wrote down the four words. I started writing down scriptures with those four words. And by the time I finished, it was like the Spirit said, okay, this are the, these are the pillars for 2018. And it's kind of a prophetic word. And so for the next four weeks, I'm going to be unwrapping that one word at a time. And i got to tell you, it's been really tough not to spoil it. Because this, this has been burning in me now for about six, seven weeks and, and I've, I, I just had to stop looking at it every day because I, was, I knew I was going to blurt it out in some message somewhere. And so I've been really good. I only got to protect today, and then I'm good. So four words. We start next Sunday. Everybody okay? Amen. All right. Now, for those of you who may be guests with us today, on the back of your handout, we always print a little outline to kind of help you figure out where we're going and hopefully to help you remember what we're talking about today. Uh, I understand also at, on our app, uh, CCFW, which is Christchurch FW, uh, there's an electronic version of that if you prefer to take notes on your phone or tablet. Uh, but either way, I'd love for you to just prepare our hearts as we receive the word today. And everybody said amen. amen. So Holy Spirit, right now, as we come to this vital moment of the service where we look at the word of God, I ask you today that you would just bring a special blessing to this wonderful congregation who've come out on this cold morning. Holy Spirit, would you just give me freedom of thought and speech and wipe out anything that would get in the way of what you want to do? And Holy Spirit, would you just open up ears and hearts to the truth of today? For I ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone that agreed said, Amen. Amen. Let's start this morning. Here's our topic. We're talking about the gift exchange, okay? We just finished Christmas. How many of you have ever gotten a gift at Christmas that when you open it, you go, oh? Right? And, and, and you know you're supposed to go like, oh, oh, yeah, that, oh, wonderful, yeah. And then the person tells you, oh, just in case it doesn't fit or you want to exchange it, I put a gift receipt in there. And in your mind, you're going, score! Right? Because that means if I get enough of those gift receipts from the same store, I can get that purse or shoes or that shotgun or whatever you've really wanted. 
And you're going to exchange those old gifts for those old gifts. You guys are looking at me because you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You've, if you don't believe me, just go to the mall after Christmas. It's like crazy time with everybody exchanging stuff that didn't fit or they didn't want and trade them in for something else. So this morning, I'm going to take the next few moments. I'm going to talk to you about three exchanges that I'm going to challenge you to make as we enter a new year. Okay, here we go. Number one, what if we exchange our grief for God's joy? Our grief for God's joy. Grief is a real thing. I, I, I've lived long enough where I know what it feels like, losing both my mother and my father. One year ago at this time, Cindy and I were dealing with the illness of her mom who passed away this last February, and Cindy was the primary caregiver taking care of her during that process of the end of life. Just three days ago on Thursday, I received a phone call and a message asking me if I'd come to the home of a lady that Cindy and I have had the privilege to know for over 30 years as a part of our church family. Her husband fighting about a five-year battle with cancer. The doctors had let the family know that it was near the end of his earthly journey. I stood there just this last Thursday afternoon with his wife, daughter, her husband, and a grandchild as we joined hands together and surrounded his bed with prayer as he made a transition from earth to eternity. That family is not just celebrating Christmas, but the homegoing of someone they love very dearly. Grief is real. Some of you, when you look at the year of 2017 or maybe 16 or 15 or somewhere in the back of your life, there's this grief. And you have to decide what you're going to do with it. For, for some of us, there are normal responses that aren't necessarily positive, but they happen to us. The first one would be what I call denial. And I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but just from observation of humanity, I see people who, who just deny the fact that they're in grief at all. And they just try to build a wall and act tough and just go on with life. For others, there's what I call delay. And they just kind of shove it down, stick it under the carpet, hide it in the closet, and they just delay dealing with the grief or the loss that they've suffered. For others, they fall into the group of what I call distraction. They just decide that they're going to pour themselves into their schoolwork or their job or a hobby or something else and, and, and just fill their calendar so full of things to do that they are distracted from dealing with the real issue of grief. All three of those, probably, we have tried at one time or another. And all three of them, we discover, don't really solve the problem. Because eventually, we do have to deal with that grief. And grief is, a, is, is, a, is a really a gift from God. It, it helps us to process those events that we go through in life. But the scripture has some, some great thoughts for us about this idea of grief. And, and I've got two of them that I'm going to share with you on your outlines this morning. Here's, here's my first thought about grief. God understands grief. You see, as, as I counsel with people and as I walk even in my own life through this, 
there's always this little voice inside of your head that says God doesn't understand and doesn't care. And, 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 and that voice is a lie from the, the enemy. Because look what the scriptures say in Isaiah 53 when it talks about the coming Messiah, Jesus. He says, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. Pause. We understand. We just celebrated Christmas, baby born in a manger. We understand that God wrapped himself in human flesh. God lived a perfect life. God died on a cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could have life and a relationship with God. But there was another purpose in God coming in flesh because when God came in flesh, God experienced the pain and the hurts and all the issues that you and I deal with as humans on a daily basis. And Isaiah reminds us that God became acquainted with deepest grief. So if you're suffering today with grief, God knows what you feel like. God understands. You can talk to God about it. He knows what you feel like. But here's the second thing. Not only does God understand grief, this is good, but God promises joy. Oh, come on, this is really good. God promises joy. Now, there's always people in the church, good-meaning people, who say dumb things. Okay? Now, this is just honest. I'm just being honest. This is my fourth service, so I can be kind of loose, right? All right? You're not going to get anywhere fast anyway, so you might as well just enjoy the morning. All right? Listen. Let's, let's just be honest about it. And, and when, 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 when people pass away and you lose a family member, there's always some well-meaning but dumb person who says, oh, well, you don't have to grieve because you know they're in heaven. I'm not crying for them. They're good. I'm the one who lost a friend or a mom or a dad or a spouse. I know they're good. It's me that doesn't have them here. It's me that has a Christmas tree with no presents for them or from them. Hello? So just, I just tell people that when people, good-meaning people, tell you dumb things in your head, just put a big L on their forehead and don't worry about it. <laughs> just smile. Thank you very much. Don't argue with them. Just recognize they don't get it yet. They're a loser. We are too. Cindy don't, Cindy's trying to correct me here. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting carried away. That's what happens when you get to the fourth one. It's just it's crazy time, all right? So we're, gonna just, we're just going to pass that. We can edit that out of the video or whatever. My thought, though, here's where I'm going with this. The Bible has a whole section of scriptures about grief. In the book of Psalms, David writes several Psalms that he's really dealing with processing 
his own grief that he's walking through, the loss, some of the disappointments with God. You ever been disappointed with God? Because God didn't do what he thought he ought to do when he ought to do it. And he got, David had all these promises of what God was going to do, and it took like years, and David's going like, what's going on? And these are the words David wrote in Psalms 30, verse number 5. He said, weeping may last through the night, through the night, through the night. How many have ever had a night in your life? Sometimes nights last longer than 12 hours. Sometimes nights last longer than 12 days or 12 weeks or 12 months. Sometimes we have a period of nights and the problem in that weeping during the night, the darkness distorts truth. It's good. Remember when you were a kid and your mom tucked you into bed, kissed you goodnight, turned out the light, walked out of the room, and all of a sudden the boogeyman shows up? Why? Because darkness distorts truth. It happened just, it not only just happened to kids, sometimes it happened to adults. The other night, somewhere in the middle of the night, I suddenly become aware that Cindy's sitting up in bed staring at me. And then she, and I, and I turn to look at her, and Cindy goes, who are you? Well, that kind of makes you feel weird. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. You're laying in bed with your wife, and she says, who are you? Has somebody else been in here? You know, like, no, you got to go like, it's me. I'm sorry. That's bad. Wow, y'all need to pray for the rest of the sermon. We could be in trouble. I said, Cindy, are you okay? She goes, is that you? Yes, it's me. She goes, well, you look weird. There was, there was some light that had done something and Cindy behind my head and Cindy goes, well, you look, it's me. <laughs> Darkness distorts the truth, right? And that's what happens to all of us. When we're in the darkness, we get scared of things and we look at things that even things that should be normal get distorted in the darkness. Come on. Weakness may last for the night. But the verse doesn't stop there. It's the good thing. But joy comes in the morning. Come on. David reached this conclusion. Okay, weeping may last for the night. I've been there. I've gone through that. I'm in there now maybe. But even in the nighttime, I know joy is going to come in the morning. There's always going to be a morning. Because what happens in the morning? The sun comes up, the light comes on, and the boogeyman leaves. Because now you see clearly truth. Yeah, joy comes in the morning. You skip a few verses down to verse 11. Here's what David concludes there. You have turned my morning into joyful dancing. Oh, that's good. You have taken away my clothes of mourning. You have clothed me with joy. Here's what I'm praying this morning. In a few moments, we're going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to invite people to come up here to the front. We're going to have prayer together. Cindy and I and some of our team are going to minister in prayer. And, and here's what I'm believing is going to happen. Some of you today have walked into the end of 2017 clothed in mourning, and God's going to say, it's time for a new wardrobe. I'm going to give you some dancing shoes and some clothes of joy. 
Oh, that's good. We're going to exchange our grief for God's joy. Here's number two. What if we exchange our hurts for God's healing? Just like grief, hurts are real, aren't they? How many have ever been hurt by people? Yeah. Somebody disappoints you. Somebody says something about you. And what do you do? The natural reaction is those same things. We deny it or we delay it or we get distracted from it. But when people hurt us, what we tend to do is push them away. And we build kind of barriers because we, we don't like people stepping on our toes. But here's, here's the problem. When you try to block people from being too close to step on your toes, they also can't hug you. You see, the, the, the only way you can hug people is when you let people get close enough to step on your toes. So people are going to hurt you. Some of you had hurts from people during this last year. What are you going to do with those hurts? Are you going to carry those hurts into the new year? Sometimes not only do people hurt us, but sometimes the, 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 heart, the worst hurts are hurts that are the result of our own stupid decisions. Now, my grandson Carver would tell me that's a dirty word the other day. Don't use that. So I said, what word am I supposed to use? He says, use the word dumb. So our own dumb decisions. Anybody ever make a dumb decision? I'm raising both hands. I would raise both feet, but I would fall over. Yeah, I've made dumb decisions. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says what you sow, you, you reap. Not only the good stuff, but you... You, you make some dumb decisions and you know there's going to be consequences from it. How many have ever made a dumb decision and you immediately start praying for a crop failure? <laughs> like, oh God, block that seed, please. Yeah. Don't let anything stupid grow out of that. A dumb grow out of that. Well, you, you right? So sometimes we hurt ourselves. The consequences of hurt in our life are the result of our own bad decisions. Amen. People hurt us. We hurt ourselves. Sometimes we get hurt just because we're living on a broken earth. Floods come, tornado, earthquake. We lose a job. We don't get the job that we wanted. The relationship that we had didn't work out the way we wanted it to. Sometimes our bodies get sick. Hurt. Hurts are real things in life. In the Bible, in the New Testament, we read a lot about this guy named Paul. He started out life named Saul. He had an encounter with God, changed his name to Paul. Paul becomes a disciple. Paul becomes an apostle. Paul becomes a church planter and a missionary, a theologian. Paul writes like one-third of the books of the New Testament. And when you read the story of Paul's life in the book of Acts, Paul hurt a lot. There was a time in the book of Acts where the people hated him so much they stoned him and they thought he was dead, left him for dead. God raised him up. There was another time he was shipwrecked. There was another time he was in, many times he was in prison. Many times he was beaten. He, he went through all kinds of hurt. So Paul learned a lot about how to handle hurt and exchange hurt for healing. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 3, this is what Paul says. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Did you get that? 
God is the source of all comfort. Verse 4, he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Five times Paul uses this word comfort in our English Bible. The word comfort is an interesting word. Today, that word comfort has kind of morphed into something that it didn't really mean 2,000 years ago. Today, when we think of comfort, a lot of times we think of things like maybe a comfortable pair of jeans that we got that just fit just right. And we go, oh, that's my comfort clothes. I, I wear those when I'm not feeling real good and they make me comfortable. Or maybe we got a comfortable pillow that kind of makes us feel good. Or, or here's the big one. We're getting ready for lunch, right? Comfort food. Like, I don't know about you guys, but my comfort food usually means something's going to be fried. Yeah, with gravy. Like biscuits and gravy and bacon and just, you know, and I believe in total immersion when it comes to gravy. Just cover it all. Yeah, comfort food. It, it just takes away the pain. And, and so we, we've kind of developed this idea that comfort is kind of an intervention. It removes the hurt and the pain. And so when we read it sometimes in the Bible, we think, well, if God is a source of all comfort, well, that means God's supposed to just take away all the pain and make me feel good and comfortable with life. But when you go back to the original of this word comfort, it, it was borrowed from, from, into English from a Latin word, from a, actually two Latin words, the words com, C-O-M, and the word fortis, F-O-R-T-I-S. The word com means together or with, and the word fortis is a word for strong or strength. So in the original Latin, the idea was strength together. And the emphasis was on the presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E, presence, not gift, but presence of God who comes to comfort us with his presence and his strength. So when Paul says God is the God of all comfort and God comforts us so that we can comfort others and the more we suffer, the more God's going to comfort us, what he's talking about is when I'm walking, right, in the Old Testament, when you go through the flood, when you go through the fire, I will be with you. God doesn't say I'm going to intervene in all of that and take away all the pain. God says, no, I'm just going to come and my presence will be a strength for you in your circumstance. And then God says, I do that so that you in turn can be the strength and presence for someone else. So that brings me two thoughts. Here they are. Back to my outline this morning. Number one, God waste no pain. A very smart man told me that years ago when I was going through my own struggles. And, and he said to me, Darius, if you will allow him, God can use what you're going through to strengthen your life and to use it for other people. I, I got a great example of that. Several years ago, a, 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 one of our senior saints was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she went through treatments and it was a, a tough ordeal. And she came through it and, and, and God answered prayers, great things. But it was a tough process going through it. About a year 
maybe a year and a half or so after Ann had gone through that. One Sunday morning, I'm here for prayer. A young lady in her 30s comes up. Her and her husband had moved here from out of country, from out of state for a job situation. All of her family were living somewhere else. She came up and just in tears with her husband, asked me to pray with him. She had just been diagnosed that week with breast cancer. It was devastated. And as I'm praying for her, the Holy Spirit brought to mind Anne. And I'm pointing back there because that was where Anne always sat. And, and I asked the young lady when I finished praying with her, I said, would you mind if I had a lady in our fellowship contact you who's been through that already? And she goes, oh, I would really love that. So she gave me her phone number and everything. And so after the service that day, I called Anne on the phone. I said, Anne, I, I know you've been through a lot, but I said, this morning I had a young lady come up who just was diagnosed with breast cancer, same situation you were in. And as I was praying for her, I felt like the Lord just wanted me to reach out to you, ask her if it's okay. And she said it was. And, and I'm wondering, would you mind giving this young lady a call? And all of a sudden, the phone got kind of quiet. And I thought, okay, did I just do something bad? And then Ann kind of composed herself, and I realized that she was very emotional. And she says, oh, pastor, I've been praying that God would allow me to use what I went through to be an encouragement to somebody else. Ann not only called that young lady, but Ann was the one who began to take her for her treatments and her doctor's appointments. And she sat with her to be present as somebody who had already been there before. God brings us comfort so we can comfort others. Some of you, you look at 2017 and you go, oh my goodness, I don't ever want to repeat that. And God says, hey, I'm not going to waste that. Why just bury that that you went through? Take what you learned, and as you enter a new year, let's see if there's somebody that God's going to bring along to say, hey, could you be the comfort for them that I was for you over here? God wastes no pain. Here's the second thing that I get out of that when I talk about hurt. You ready for this? Pain can be a path to progress. Pain can be a path to progress. Now, now, how does that happen? When there's physical pain in our bodies and we can't solve it, and we call up the doctor, we make an appointment, we go see the doctor, we walk to the doctor's office and we tell the doctor where we hurt. And what does the doctor do? After they, you know, after they weigh you, which is always fun, you have to weigh on the scales. And then if you're like my doctor, you have to get your, they, they test your blood pressure and they test your temperature and all that. And they write all that down and the nurse talks with you, where does it hurt and blah, blah, blah. And she writes all that down. And then the doctor comes in eventually and he looks at the little chart thing and what everything else. And he says, okay. He says, well, let's text something. What does he do? He starts pushing on you, right? And he asks the questions all doctors ask. Does this hurt, right? And, he, and, and you've already told him, this is why I'm here. I'm hurting. And the doctor pushes, does this hurt? Yes, it hurts. Now, is the doctor pushing on you because he wants to make you hurt? No. The doctor is trying to discover where the pain is so he can know how to help you, right? I, I know that firsthand because about two months ago, I did something and kind of twisted my back. And so I thought I could cure it myself with some 
chiropractic, whatever. And, and then we left for Southern Asia, and I got in really bad with the flights and everything. I was hurting so bad, I contacted my assistant and said, hey, would you contact Dr. Simmons, who's part of our fellowship, and, and, and see if I can have an appointment with him when I get back. So I flew back home on a Thursday night. He had me a 9 o'clock uh, MRI set up, and by noon that day, he got the reports back, and he called me and said, okay, you've got an issue back here in your L1, 2, and 3 in the disc. And so Thursday a week ago, they had to do a little procedure on my back and gave me a shot and all this stuff and started physical therapy. And I go to physical therapy. And what does the physical therapist do when he first starts? They start yanking on you and pulling you and go, okay, does this hurt? Yes, it does. Okay, good. That's the part we're going to work on. Oh, no. You realize that pain means you got to do something. Now, if you try to deny it, delay it, or get distracted from it, it's just going to get bigger because the pain's not going to change until you do. Whoa. That was good. They even flash lights for that one or something. Yeah. You see, pain, I, I started to say that pain is a path to progress, and, but I changed it to pain can be. Why? Because there's a choice. I could have chose not to change, not to call the doctor and just lived with my pain. You can live with your hurt. You can bury it, act like it's not there. You can try to self-medicate. Hello. The hurt's still there. Do you want to carry that hurt into 2018? Or do you want to come to God and say, hey, God, I know you love me. I know you want what's best for me. I believe you want me to be whole. I got this area in my life. I'm not whole. I've been hurt. And I'm carrying it. I'd like to give it to you so you can give me back healing. In a moment, we're going to have opportunities for you to do that. We're going to exchange our grief for God's joy. We're going to exchange our hurts for God's healing. Here's number three. We're going to exchange our failures for God's forgiveness. First John chapter 1, verse number 8. James says it this way. If we claim we have no sin... We're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. How do I get God's forgiveness? Forgiveness comes through confession. If I deny it, try to delay it or get distracted from it, I'm not going to be able to find the forgiveness that comes from God. My challenge today, why carry your failures into a new year? What would happen if today you were to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've blown it here, and 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 i got a track record of blowing it today I'd like to ask you to forgive me and I'd like to put you in charge of my life could I start 2018 
with a clean slate. Wipe it all away. And Jesus says, that's why I came to earth. So my blood can wash away your sin. Would you stand with me this morning? I've had a lot of fun, maybe too much fun. But my whole purpose is for what's going to happen in these next five minutes. There's going to be a gift exchange. It's going to happen right here at what we call our altar area. There's men and women and young men and young ladies in this room today who are carrying grief and hurt and failures. And I'm going to give you a chance for a gift exchange. I'm going to invite you, whoever you are, whether you're a regular part of our family or a first-time person, I'm going to invite you in just a moment to join us right here across the front. And we're simply going to say to God, God, you love me. I love you. I give myself to you. And God, I'm going to give you my grief. I'm going to give you my hurts. I'm going to give you my failures. And I'm going to receive from you your joy, your healing, and your forgiveness. That's God's gift for every one of us. If you'd like to be a part of this prayer, whether you're way up there in the top or right up here in the front, I'm going to ask you right now, before we ever sing or do anything, step out from where you are and come and join me right now. Would you do that? Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's give them a hand as they come. Would you do that for me? Come on. You want to be a part of this prayer time? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't carry it into next year, man. There's no use to go into another year carrying what you're carrying. God's offering you a gift exchange. It's free. It's free. This is awesome. I can't make that choice for you. Only you can make that choice. Some of you are going like, well, what's going to happen when I go up there? We're going to pray. God's going to do some amazing things. Some of you today, let me tell you what. Devil's been trying to mess with you. He even brought in a bunch of icy weather just so you wouldn't come to church to hear this today. But you came anyway. And the reason he didn't want you here is because he knew if you come here and you walk to this altar, your next year is going to be dangerous for the devil. Because when God gives you joy, that joy is going to be contagious. And there are going to be some people in your life who haven't ever had joy. And they're going to say, I want some of what you got. When God brings healing into your life, there are going to be some people that are going to go, well, how'd you get that? And you're going to say, well, I got it at an altar. God gave it to me. And they're going to say, man, I got some junk I've been carrying for 10 years. I need to get rid of it. Some of you are going to change some of the habits of your life because you're going to be forgiven and habits are going to be broken. And some of those people that used to do that stuff with you are going to go, okay, how come you're not doing that no more? And you're going to say, man, last Sunday of 2017, I walked down to an altar and I gave that to God and God made me a new person, a new creature in Christ. I've been forgiven and clean. I don't do that no more. And they're going to say, hey, how can I get some of that? Go to church with me next week. Right?
Now, I want some prayer partners. I want, I want some of you out there in the congregation who just want to let God love people through you to step out, come and stand behind somebody and put a hand on their shoulder. Y'all are waiting too long. Come on. I need a bunch of you. I got a bunch of folks down here. I want you to just, I'd love to have two or three people just standing with every person. If you were standing here, wouldn't you love to just have somebody know that somebody's willing to stand with you? You may not even know them. They may be a stranger to you. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's just we like to let people know at Christ Church we're a family, aren't we? We're a family. We do life together. We pray together. We believe God together. God's getting ready to do something awesome in this place. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we reach out our hands and our hearts to God. Lord, you put this morning together because your creations have been struggling. They've been carrying their grief. They've been carrying their hurts and their failures. And Lord, they don't know what to do with them. But today they do. Today they're walking to this altar. Today they're saying, Jesus, I give it to you. I give myself to you, Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every principality, every power, every spiritual force of the enemy that's tried to come against them. I break the hold of the enemy and I release the Spirit of God into the family of God this morning. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us for another inspirational message. We hope you've enjoyed listening. For more information about Christ Church Fort Worth, please visit www.christchurchfw.com.